This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris. Well, here we are back at it. We had the break on Friday, Monday. I was talking about shooting archery. Before Thanksgiving, uh, I forget what the topic was, but I don't think it was anything too deep. And suddenly there's a panic. Everybody asks me if I'm okay. Is everything all right? You're not talking about the things that you used to. <laughs> what, for two podcasts? It's called Thanksgiving. I don't, you know, where I come from, we take a little break from things, a little time to give thanks, you know, put down our weapons, stop killing each other, and break bread. It's just, it's a great way for peace and uni- unity. It really is, by the way. Bring people together and eat, and you'd be amazed at what can be accomplished with that. Speaking of which, uh, I've been doing a little bit of um, loose research, I guess you could say, more like loose calculating, and I'm a little bit fascinated by the transition from gasoline to watts. Specifically, if you don't know what I'm talking about, how much electric can you get out of a gallon of gas? And I don't know. Is a short answer. I don't know enough about electric and electric motors. Not that that necessarily matters because the, the draw on that is going to be the draw, whether it's a, a motor or a, a heater or a light. It doesn't really matter. Anyway, what? how many watts can you get, or what would you call that? Amp hours? How many amp hours can I get out of a gallon of uh, gasoline? So I was playing around with these little calculations that I was doing on my own using these kind of bizarre analogies, such as, you know, could I charge a car on an 8,800-watt generator over 12 hours and kind of doing the math backwards? Well, once I decided to dig a little further, I learned that somebody's already gone through this math. And one account here says that the heating value of a gallon of gasoline is 115,000 BTUs. You think about trying to produce that much um, heat with electric, it's it's huge. Um, But I don't know when it says 150,000 BTUs, is that per hour or is that total? I'm not sure how that would work. It's the limit of my knowledge. But I found another uh, um, conversion. And without taking you through the math, it basically said that a typical gallon of gasoline is about equal to a 100-amp-hour battery. So there you have it. A gallon of gas, at least according to this, is worth about 100 amp-hours. Now, a gallon of gas weighs, um, maybe somebody knows better than me, I think think gas is lighter than water, am I right? Gas is about 6.5 pounds a gallon, whereas... uh, Water's eight pounds a gallon. So let's call it seven. Seven pounds a gallon for gasoline. Um, Let me see. I can't do the math uh, in my head, so I'll pull up my handy calculator here. And a truck would have about a 23-gallon tank um, times seven pounds is 161 pounds for fuel. That doesn't sound right. Is that right? Seven times about 23 gallons, yeah, 161 pounds worth of gasoline. This would be for a truck or a van or something like that. You could get bigger ones, 
you know, with the extendable uh, trucks and so forth. 26-gallon, maybe. But this is 23 right now. Now, the battery weighs about 31 pounds. So 31 to have equal times 23 jumps you up to 713 pounds. That's but, but the motor difference then, okay? So stay with me a second. These answers cannot possibly be correct, or the overall output from a gasoline engine is more efficient, which we know not to be true. At least I think is known not to be true. Why do I say this? If you could take a 700-pound battery, call it 800-pound battery, in a pickup truck and have the same fuel expectancy as a full tank of fuel, because that's the, that's the trade-off according to these calculations. That's not what's happening. It's not at all what you're getting. Maybe somebody can explain that to me, one of you fancy uh, engineer types. While you're figuring that out, the reason I just walked you through five minutes of that, I believe I stumbled upon the most cost-effective, non-polluting, for the most part, you could argue that, um, limitless energy. The easiest way, best conversions, best efficiencies, you want to know what it is? Anaerobic digestion, where you're taking... Uh, biomatter that can be grown and is, um, that's the word, you know what I'm talking about, replenished. Right, renewable, there we go. Whew. Don't, don't let that be a strike against my otherwise good green character. <laughs> I am. I'm a practical environmentalist. I've said this. Where were we? Why are you not getting the energy output of the batteries? I'd like to know. That led me to, as I'm thinking about this, what is the most efficient energy conversion? How do you take renewable energy, such as sunlight? Really, that's what we're talking about. You get right down to it. How do you convert sunlight into something that is as powerful as gasoline in some way? How do you convert that? Well, I already have anaerobic digestion. And the technology already exists. It's called human life form. You know, so if we just had people, say, running on treadmills all day to generate electric, if, if you were to feed them ramen noodles and, and um, insect guts, I would imagine you could feed them very inexpensively, put a, uh, a mobile phone in front of them and just log it on the social media, and they'd barely even know what was going on. I don't know. Maybe that's all part of the plan. Maybe that's part of the big conspiracy that we're hearing about. I'm thinking, who's going to be eating? They're talking about, they're going to be putting bugs in the food. I'm like, what, what are they going to start forcing us, like force feeding us like bugs? Is that where we're headed with this thing? And people get a little freaked out, which brings me to another point. I'm kidding about the anaerobic, not, I'm, I'm halfway kidding about the anaerobic digestion. There's a, very much this, this Bible quote guides my life. And it's not what you think. This isn't from the, from the, um, um, <laughs> Uh, Proverbs or Psalms. It's not, not, it's not some um, prophetic speaking. It's not some, you know, Jesus uh, parable of just rich meaning that you got to think about for a minute to even respond to. No, no, this Bible quote is none of those things. And it's very simple. It's in the very first book early on in the Bible. And it says very simply, and you shall work. Shall 
Not maybe, sort of, could. You will. It means you will. Whether you want to or not, you will. And I say, well, do you have to do it? Not if you want to. So I've just decided to jump in on all that. I like to keep working as hard as I can. Busting my butt outside this weekend, but you know what? The compound is looking good, I'm happy to say. I like to keep my yard kind of tight. I'm not too embarrassed to say that, uh, you know, people will comment on our property on a regular basis. I kind of like it that way. Keep it, you know, I have somebody mow, but I do all the landscaping myself. I take that on. Did all this knife edging this year, put in the rain garden. You heard me talking about all of it. Well, this past weekend, we blew off all the leaves. I got the setup for that too. My, I'm out there. <laughs> this is funny, and uh, I don't. Want, I like to say the brands. I have this walk behind big blower, and I know there's a big wrong line debate: the walk behind or the backpack. Well, I could argue both with you. There was definitely times I kind of would have liked to have had the backpack, but um, generally speaking, I prefer the walk behind much more. But it's super powerful, and that's the benefit of it. And I guess my neighbors see me out there, and they're like, man, they're looking out at their crappy yards. <laughs> they're like, I better, I better up my game. I hear them out there, with their cords, with their electric, I'm like, isn't that cute? You keep voting Democrat, too. I'm out there. <laughs> That's the difference between you shall work. And I didn't even mean to make the Democrat comment. I slipped that in there as a little joke. Don't be offended. Democrats work too. I mean that. We got to stop this. Like in all seriousness, yeah, I know most of the people listening to this podcast are conservative. Either libertarians. We got a lot of libertarians. MAGA Republicans. And then still old school very devout, I would say, Republicans don't support Trump because they don't like his mouth. Is that it? They can't support that. Can't, can't go along with that. Or, or they're much more hard on the on um, abortion. You got you know, people would call them fanatical. I say, hey, when we call, start calling people fanatical about defending kids, I'm all in. I support them 100. percent But but in all seriousness, can you honestly sit there with a straight face and say that the Republican Party is better than the Democrat Party? I know. Maybe you get ticked off at me saying that. Just give me the evidence. I don't need the emotion. I don't really care how you feel about it. What difference does that make at this point? I'm asking a simple question. If you could kick out all the Democrats right now, do you have any level of confidence that if it was all Republicans that anything would be much different, if at all? I would argue possibly worse, believe it or not. And, and I'm not sitting here defending the Ocasio schmuck Texas out there. I'm just saying there's good Democrats out there. And I think it would do us best to just focus on, on building a, a political machine that's good and productive instead of arguing about which one's worse or which one's better. Either way, I don't know. I took a little break the last two days in terms of, not the last of the West week really, in terms of the subject matter, well, for my own mental health, but yours too. I think there's a real danger in getting caught up in this fear porn. I really do. Be careful with it. Twitter, you know, there's a lot of activity there. It's exciting. But these things, they can be addictive in ways that doing things chemically to your mind that you don't know. I'm not trying to feed you some, you know, bizarre um, um, conspiracy theory or, or anything like that. It's fact. 
They've measured brainwaves and activity and, and done uh, surveys and things like that. And you're tied to that screen no matter what it is. Is it dopamine release or whatever's going on chemically? It's not good for you to repeatedly do that. And in fact, I think that it has the ability to, in some cases, particularly people who are vulnerable in other ways, to really cause a lot of harm. Anyway, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not feeding that. It's not good. It's not coming from God. It's not going to come through me to keep sitting here every day. I've said this before. The ship has sailed, my friends. What do I mean by that? I mean the 2020 election. You know, I'm not going to sit here, I've said it a million times, and advocate for certainly not violence. I've told you my feelings on it. You know, if you want to, um, I'll tell you right now, you want a revolution in this country? Here's the only way it would even have a chance, and certainly the only way it would have a chance long term. You would need a tax strike, and it would need to be done in Gandhi-like fashion. And they are going to come down and whoop on you. You want to see an example of that? Go look at January 6th. You stop paying your taxes and you see who they send the police down. You see who they take it out on. Oh, yeah, you, you, you can strike, but you can't, blah, 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 whatever the crime of the day would be. I'm going to talk some more about that. Anyway, I will not sit here and advocate for violence. I'm not going to advocate for any kind of a rebellion at all. You know, the rebellion, I think we need people doing a better job raising their kids, people getting more involved in their government. Just start there. Stop getting played by the emotions and get down to brass tacks, whatever the heck that means. Get down to the basics, doing what needs to be done day in and day out uh, to survive and thrive, right? You got to plant in the spring and you got to harvest in the fall and it ain't going to go away. I don't care you grow it inside, you grow it outside. I don't care you grow it with, with lights inside, you grow it with the sunlight outside. Trust me, you're going to fall into these natural cycles, and you shall work. So get at it. Find something that you enjoy. Find where you can make a contribution. Everybody who has children has an incredible opportunity to do just that. And all joking aside about my, my anaerobic digester analogy, what is our greatest asset as a country, and why isn't it being talked about? Of all the things we're doing, I've, I've spoken out about this before, I'm going to do it again today. All this bashing on the younger generation. You don't hear me do that. I think to myself, how foolish. How foolish. It's just like people with the, they begrudge their parents their whole lives. Now, listen, you know, there's some parents out there that do unforgivable things, and I'm not here to judge. But generally speaking... All of our parents were imperfect, as we are imperfect parents. There's things we learn from our parents, things we learn not to do from our parents. And I'm in the same boat with that. I never said my parents were perfect, but they were fantastic for me. So anyway, my point is, rather than looking to blame a party or the them, the Democrats, or the whoever the they is that you're blaming, look to where you can make more of a contribution. Now, I'll say this too. There's people listening. What do you mean make more of a contribution? I already, blah, 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 blah. I'm in the same boat, my friend. I work hard, really hard. I do a lot. I say a lot. I make it look easy doesn't mean it is. Just because I make it look easy doesn't mean it is. You know, I use the technology. I delegate. I subcontract. I do what I got to do. and make it happen. And I think that those of us that, that have the ability to do a lot are going to need to step up and do a little more, too. We'll see. The time will come. Anyway, I'm just telling you, 
Um, the time has come to pass. The election came and went. There was no um, pushback on that. Can that be corrected? Yeah, Trump's working on all that. Um, somebody listened. What do you mean, the election? Are you saying it was stolen? Yeah. I'm saying it was completely illegitimate. I, I looked into it firsthand. If you have better information than me, I'm all ears. Send it to me. I d- had discussions with quite a few uh, local uh, election uh, supervisors here. Um, talked to a lawyer who successfully got the uh, Delaware County voter rolls um, cleaned up and many other things. So, yes, I did. I was in the room when a Republican was left off the ballot, just like the, the uh, so-called um, establishment Republicans have helped try to do to Trump. No problem. We don't need to steal anything. If he ain't on the ballot, <laughs> oldest trick in the book. It happens in every election. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know, maybe Democrats do it too. I didn't get to see that. The only ones I got to see doing that dirty trick were Republicans. Anyway, I think we need to recognize where we're at. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit today, this mindset of self-defense. Um, is that what I said here? What did I call it? Yeah. Self-defense mindset. It's one of the things uh, I think is becoming more and more important probably by the day. What have I said to you in the past with the tumultuous times that we have coming up? First of all, learn to work. If you haven't already, I would start there. Learn to grow your own food. Huge. I'd consider a currency backup or two. Um, I personally am not a digital currency guy, but... I wouldn't be afraid to buy a little bit of it. I've thought about it just as a hedge. I'm not recommending it at all. Uh, gold, I haven't looked at. Um, I believe the price is up. It may not be a good time to buy. You might want to grab a couple small pieces of silver to have. Um, anyway, learn to grow your own food. You need to be able to be financially free if situations dictate it. Um, let me just move on. I could explain that better. Hopefully you know what I'm talking about. Taking care of your health, understanding, uh, alternative, uh, health treatments. I think I'm getting a sinus infection again. Can you hear my voice? I had it last year and I don't know if you remember, I went round and round, went on forever and finally went to the doctor and he's like, you need antibiotics. Actually it was an outpatient clinic. They were fantastic, but that's another story. Anyway, I was uh, reading that, um, I use a neti pot in the winter. It's great. I love that thing. And people go, oh, so you're getting the infection. Eh, it's not that. Um, anyway, I, I was reading about um, using um, hydrogen peroxide to do that, watered down. I think I'm going to try it. Okay, yeah, it seems to be safe enough and uh, says it helps with sinus infections. I'm a big believer in at least trying. I'm not saying I'm anti-medicine. Uh, I'm not at all. And if your kids are sick, I would... They have a fever. My daughter just, she had uh, pneumonia. She's at the doctor's three times in a week. So I don't want you to get the wrong idea of how I think in terms of that. You know, I'm I'm not some uh, holistic doctor over here. But I could tell you story after story. But those are the areas that I would really focus on. Your homesteading, your physical abilities. I've said to you before, you know, forget about stocking up on toilet paper and and dried food. You've got to make sure you have tools. Like a shovel, (laughs) a pickaxe, and a saw. I'm not kidding about that. And it might be a good thing. But anyway, I have these kinds of tools anyway, which is, is good for us. I think it's all a good good circuit. But the other thing that I think is becoming more and more important that we talk about a lot is defense, home defense, self-defense. 
and how do you do that? And, um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I saw this quote. I want to share this with you in a second. Um, but I come from the ghetto, really, as a kid. And we, we're scrappers, you know, just beating the crap out of each other. And um, I could tell you lots of stories, but what's the point, really? You know, but we were we were fist fighting regularly as kids. And, you know, pretty much that didn't end until uh, it became a real problem for me. It's no way to, to do things, I can assure you that. Uh, but it's how I grew up. It's what I was taught. It's what I knew. You know, somebody disrespected you, they were going to take a punch to the face. I mean, it's just how it worked. I mean, you say that today and people think, oh, somebody's going to be writing to me. I, I don't think you should put that on the podcast. It's how I grew up. So did uh, General Mattis. He talks about it in his book. I think that's how he ended up in the Marine Corps. He punched somebody in the face. Seems to be a common thread, right? Hey, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking to you like some kind of tough guy. I got punched in the face a few times, too. And having felt that, I've decided to uh, pursue more peaceful means uh, for the aforesaid reasons. Put it this way. I was I was a different person when I was younger, right? Anyway, before I get into the meat of this, I think that there's a big question that a lot of people have been asking since October 7th, whether you're Jewish or not, whether you're Israeli or not. Um, could you be Israeli and non-Jewish? Yes, is the answer to that. I answer my own question. Um, I think a lot of people are asking themselves, could, could that, what happened there in Israel, could it happen here? Or how about the Chaz District? Or how about the BLM riots? Or uh, the Minnesota riots? Who was that? I forget. BLM, I'm not sure who took credit for that mayhem. If you lived... In Minneapolis, while that was all going on, you know, how did that change your life? How did your security situation change specifically? Talk about being prepared. These are all events that can have a real interruption on your daily life. How well prepared are you to do that? Back to the question of could what happened in Israel happen here? And uh, I know in in talking to people face-to-face, they say the same thing to me, you know, what would you do? And I say the same thing to them. You don't want to know what I would do. What do you mean? It's just not something that I can speak of intelligently, openly, much less on the podcast. Just can't. You know, and this is coming from a whole different background, coming from a mindset that is not going to tolerate that kind of thing very well. Um, let me Let me give you this quote, and you know that we're going to talk about this mindset of violence, really, mindset of self-defense. And the first thing I think that you have to build in with this, and this very much comes with the moral obligation as well, you have to know that you're on the higher ground, and you have to conduct yourself accordingly, right? I'm not going to take action in something unless I am 150% sure that it's the right thing to do. And I think it's good to to keep that obligation up. And and by the way, there's a million other ways out of a situation than violence. And violence does not have to be responded to with violence. And even through that, there is plenty of non-lethal means to do things. And I think it is important to remember that. I'm not saying that you go up and give bad actors a hug. It's not what I'm saying. Um, but I'm just saying that these things are solvable. And there's a lot of information on it. Could what happened in Israel happen here? It practically already has. In terms of what we saw in Chaz, it took over that area. There were businesses and so forth down there that were virtually trapped. I'm going to give you that example as a second. 
it's not my business, it's my home. Let's just say I, I, I come home one day and, and there's a, a protest going on out front and blocking my driveway and blocking my street. And as I, as I approach up at the intersection up the street, some guy in, in a gar, whatever garb and whatever weapon says, uh, yeah, you can't come in here. We've, we've taken control of this. <laughs> God bless him. God bless them. They better have the cops there to help them at that time. I wouldn't even put up with that for nine and a half seconds. I think I would look at them and say, are you serious? Okie dokie. You have to think with a different mindset. And you have to go into that with the mindset that I'm not going to tolerate this. My property is my property. My family is my family. Would I fight back into my house is the question just to answer that. In that scenario, <laughs> if so much as one of my dogs was still here, yes. Would I beg and plead and barter with them to allow me to do that? I wish I could. I wish I could. But it's not how it would go down. And I know that there's a lot of people that agree with me and how they would respond to that. Let me share this with you. Um who is this uh, Marine here? I forgot his name. Lieutenant Colonel Jeff Cooper. He said that man fights with his mind, his hands and his feet, uh, his hands and his weapons, rather, are simply extensions of his will. He says that of the 50 or so of, of his students who have been involved in lethal confrontations, not one student claimed to have saved his life by his dexterity or marksmanship but rather by his mindset. Do you understand that? He defines the combat mindset as that state of mind which ensures victory in a gunfight. It is composed of awareness, anticipation, concentration, and coolness. Above all, its essence is self-control. Dexterity and marksmanship are prerequisite to confidence, and confidence is prerequisite to self-control. And I've talked about this a lot with the firearms. Um, become really good at it, and you'll naturally become more comfortable with it, just the way that works. As far as the, the mindset goes, let me give you a very simplified version of this very well-written summary by the good lieutenant colonel here. I support it 100%. But let me just give it to you in, in uh, terminal lance corporal terms, all right, where the real Marines reside. Here's the simple terms for you. Make it hurt back. You know, I could tell you a few scenarios I was in where I was going to take a beating. Bad. Like, I'm not getting into the details because it's just too much for the podcast. Is there one I could tell? No. But at least twice, there may have been another time, a group of individuals approached me. Uh, meaning four or five were threatening me. And, in, yeah, and it was um, at least two cases. And in both cases, I grabbed the heaviest object that was available to me. In Marine Corps terms, we call it weapons of opportunity. You've heard me talk about this. You walk into a restaurant, what do you have to work with? Uh, nothing. Sure. How heavy are those glasses? Have you, could you quickly roll it up in a napkin and chuck that thing? That's not a good weapon. It wouldn't be my go-to. 
How about the knives on the table? Are there any steak knives? Are you making note of where the closest one to you is? These are things I do. I'm watching. I'm in my table. Who am I killing first? What weapons am I grabbing first? Not necessarily in that order. How about the fire extinguisher you've heard me suggest before? You're in a, in a restaurant. You're going to tell me that a, your, your, your handgun is going to be as effective against the guy with body armor on as me with my fire extinguisher? I'm going to go my route, my friend. Now, you could carry, <laughs> you know, your uh, 556 five, uh, carbine, I guess. And is that armor piercing? I guess. But it's ridiculous. You're going to walk into a restaurant with that? <laughs> well, let me pull my gun case out. So these weapons of opportunity can have huge benefits. And I could go on and on about this. You know, chemicals, anything, hot objects. I've told you, you're in a restaurant, somebody else, you, you want, in a lot of cases, you want to survey this ahead of time. It takes you a second. I do it automatically. I sit down. Where's the exit? So I'm going to get on a fire, a little stampede. It doesn't have to be a mad gunman. A million things happen every day. And it's the guy who takes a second to orient himself first that comes out alive. It's the guy who's saying to say, I'm not going to put up with that. I started to say, at least twice, I had a group of individuals approach me, threatening me. In both cases, I looked at them, and I said the exact same thing. I said, which one of you wants to die? And they left me alone. <laughs> Lo and behold, not one of those tough guys was willing to give up their life. And that was my strategy in both, both cases, that I was going to take the heaviest object I had and start not beating on all of them, because you can't, but one of them's going to die with me. And we're going to get up to the gates of heaven, and he's going to give up the names of the other four. That's my mentality on it. You know, somebody is going to attack me or attack my family, and you're going to get hurt. You may get one in on me. I don't know. You surprise me, but you're going to get hurt. You know, I, mean, I don't know if you guys remember. I told you the story. We're up in New York for a wedding. A homeless guy comes to the car. I'm not going to tell you what I said. I looked him right in the eye, and he looked at me. And he moved the hell on. My wife says, you know, people think you're a little crazy. Good. I like it that way. Think about it. More than you ever have before. I mean that. I think we're going to see more and more unrest. I want to talk about a couple other tap, uh, topics here, give you a little intelligence brief update since we haven't talked about the news or what's going on. There's a lot. If you're on Twitter, you're seeing just mayhem. Uh, the news is crazy. Hunter Biden, Trump trials. Uh, what's her name? Carter kicked the bucket. Melania didn't wear a black dress. That's apparently a big deal. But there's other stories that nobody's talking about. So I'll get to on Friday when we come back. Uh, it looks like the Treasury is unable to borrow money, at least the way they once were. Um, we're going to see big, big, big problems from all this. But anyway... I can't get into everything, but I do want to give you an update on a couple of big stories here. So the first one is this pneumonia coming out of China, affecting children. Boy, they really narrowed down the engineering on this, didn't they? They messed up the first time around. They knew it. They said, well, we're not going to be able to keep kids out of school again. <laughs> not unless they're getting pneumonia. Well, isn't it ironic? My daughter had pneumonia. I did a little test on my wife. I said, can you believe this in China? She says, it's pneumonia season. You don't say. 
weaponizing an otherwise perfectly normal event, you think? No. Would they really do that? And isn't it ironic all of a sudden the news comes out that the WHO or China or or WEF, apparently somebody who secretly rules the world uh, came out and is telling the Chinese that they need to mask up and socially distance once again. And of course, you've got people immediately over here. Hell no! We won't go! <laughs> yeah? Get your masks. That's what I had to say. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to start preemptively wearing mine. <laughs> I might actually do that. Um, you know, listen, my daughter had pneumonia. Um, she got a couple antibiotics and went back to school in a week. I mean, when I was a kid, I had bronchitis like a million times. I mean, guys, I don't know what what to say. Um it got me reflecting back on the scamdemic that we went through. And, you know, I was one of the ones in there. I was fooled in the beginning. I was fooled enough to get vaccinated. You know, and, and it's funny, psychologically speaking, I don't really like admitting that. Um, and I wasn't even completely fooled. But I was fooled enough to follow the leader. Jesus, what was I thinking? I did push back. I have some regret. Some of you remember the letter to the school board, wife and mother-in-law said, don't you dare. Very sad to me, some of the things that went on. What will we do this time around? <laughs> I don't know if people are ready to put up with it, but then again, I didn't think they would put up with it last time either. Um, I mentioned about the Treasury having trouble printing money. Here's a Yahoo Finance article. Uh, American households in worse financial shape. Um, than 2012 or 16 or whatever it was. And uh, Biden says no. He was just out. Big Bidenomics sign. It's just unbelievable. They, they've really um, simplified the propaganda. Just keep repeating it. He says no. Adjusted for incomes. Americans are doing great. You're doing great. Might not seem like it right now, but that's just because you're you're listening to those MAGA people tell you that it, something's wrong. Gas is down. Turkeys are cheap, man. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> and there's people going along with it. I, you know, I have to tell you, I'm amazed at some things. I just looked at our stock funds, and they're all jumped up. And I'm like, man, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not. I have a funny feeling they may be hopping back down. It's not funny, really. Uh, it all goes back to what I said to you in all seriousness. Um, I think I saw that the, um, I don't know, the, the UN is going to start pushing Americans to eat less meat. What the hell's happened to Europe? Let's start there. Did you hear the, the one of the um, uh, congressional people from, uh, um, where was it? It wasn't Poland. Ireland. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about that story in a second. And they were enacting these draconian laws against free speech. And she says, this is for the common good. I mean, who's the Nazis? Do we listen to this kind of talk? And you have to ask yourself, what the hell is going on? And then, But no, nobody's even doing that. Just, the news like, eh. She says it's for the common good. And the MAGA Republicans don't like it. But we've brought on our expert here our CNN analysis or whoever, to tell you that, oh, no, we've done the calculations and you are, in fact, doing great. <laughs> oh, well, there you have it. I don't know why my bank account looks like a crime scene. Draconian 
laws, taking away rights, lying to your face. More of the same, really. Um, how about this story of Pizzagate blowing up? You guys getting any of this? It's kind of blew up on Twitter. A, um, I guess a guy that was appointed by Obama to oversee the Pentagon schools caught up in the child sex trafficking. You know, it's very interesting to me how these uh, child sex trafficking stories are getting kind of blown around. Um, I think, here's what I see as the reality. I don't know about the depths of Pizzagate. If you don't know, I, I, from what I gather, I don't follow this kind of stuff real closely, but it is a big deal. Um, there's a pizza parlor or something in Washington, and pizza's a code name for pedophilia, and a lot of high names passing around pizza emails. Kind of interesting, right? I'm simplifying that. Um, there was a story about it. They shamed the reporter, and now it comes out that this guy, but there was other people too. I think it was the reporter who who proved that Pizzagate was a conspiracy theory, is uh, locked up now for uh, child pornography or something like that. Crazy, right? Bottom line is, it's turning out to be true. All this, you know, they're like, after the election, yeah, yeah, when those weirdo mega Republicans were talking about some kind of pedophilia ring going on in our government, pfft, how ridiculous. Yeah, how ridiculous is it? Why don't you tell me? Why don't you tell us? Just how ridiculous it is. Because we're going to castrate you with a dull knife over this. And I'm not playing around. You really have to ask what's going on. It's sick and disgusting. With that as a backdrop, let me move to the migrant child stabbing in Ireland. Apparently, supposedly, maybe, they put out a story. I don't know. It was on the internet, so it must be true that a immigrant of, that came from Africa, I forget what country, stabbed, I don't know, six people, five people, a couple of them kids. Guy had to intervene and stop. Can you imagine? Imagine this scene. You, you come up on your school, wherever these kids are, and here's this grown man stabbing the kids. I mean, I credit these, these Irish people. I don't, I don't know how many people here would do anything besides pull out their phone. You know what your um, likelihood of surviving a knife attack is? Not good. Not good. You may initially survive, but the long-term prognosis for stabs is not good. At least that's what I'm told. I want to tell you a couple things about this Ireland situation. Uh, Number one, I told you, told you, I'm telling you again, as far as red lines, that Um, People might take a lot, but they're not going to sit back while their kids are pushed around. And people have already been through a phase of kids being locked out of schools and forced to mask up. People are already primed. Um, The immigrant situation, this idea of attacks, I mean, I don't know what's going on in Ireland now. It all of a sudden seemed to evaporate. That's all part of the fear porn thing. Um, I know this. You probably saw this. The uh, fighter. What's his name? I can't think. Conor McGregor. He made a few comments, which I read. You can read. And they want to charge him. They're investigating him now. What? He comes out and publicly expresses his displeasure with uh, um, migrant stabbing children, and they're going to investigate him? These are political prisoners. But I asked, I mean, how these people doing this in Ireland? 
Will you blame this on Soros? What are you talking about? The Soros doesn't control the world. These people have lost their mental capacity, and they'll probably get reelected. It's like the, the, the Gaza voting in Hamas, and you wonder why you're having problems. I don't know. But these are the things that we now need to be prepared for. So let me leave you with this story. Um, it's very interesting, coming out of Portland. Cities crack down on homeless encampments. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Isn't that fascinating? Since when? Since Z came? I don't believe it. Cracking down on homeless encampments. So I think that you're going to see a lawsuit out of this, and they want to force this change to what this is all about is the right to housing. All right? They want to create, expand government to include housing for people. And um, some of these people... Um, they're do-gooders. And they say, yeah, you know, nobody should have to street on the street. They want to help the world. They want, whatever has led them down this path. Delusions of grandeur, a million things. Um, you know, there was a time I wanted to save the world, too. I was younger, more ambitious then. Now I just say the hell with everybody, you know? This is why we need young people in. Um, anyway, there's no crackdown. There's no... The, the homeless problem that they like to say isn't what it seems. Um, and I can prove it. So some of the examples are perfectly true. Like um, here where we're at, the cost of housing is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, your only your only option is to share space. I mean, you're going to have a, literally a, a nice two-bedroom apartment here right now is um, probably going for about two grand a month, 1800 two grand a month for a two-bedroom apartment, man. Um you're gonna you're gonna see where couples are sharing apartments, you know. Where you, you know they have one bedroom, the other ones have a bedroom, and they share the rest of the living space. Everybody's gonna be packed in like rats around here. But as far as as the country as a whole, there's plenty of available housing out in the coal region in Pennsylvania. There's a ton of housing out in western Cincinnati, and and plenty of room to build more. And I'm just giving you a couple little examples that I'm aware of. Jacksonville, Florida, huge areas of undeveloped area down there in need of redevelopment. Many of these areas that could that could easily house more people. We need to stop with this self-defeating idea that the world's overpopulated. We need to depopulate. And people are believing this crap. And stop thinking that the homeless problem, that the answer to that is government. Government's just going to make it more expensive for everybody. They're going to tax you to pay for housing for some. The country's already been through this. And we have no money to do it right now. But mark my words, this homeless problem is all about an underlying political fight for what they want to call the right to housing, which in simple terms means they want you and me to pay for it, which is what it always comes down to. How much more can we possibly pay for it? I don't know. God willing, I'll be back on Friday. Sure hope to see you there in the meantime. Make it a great day. I am going to go try and uh, gargle with uh, the witch you call it there. Hopefully I'll feel better too. I'll see you there. Make it a great day.